turn our Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Samuel. We'll be in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And uh, we look forward to what the Word of God has for us today. And uh, it is good to see all of you this morning. And we have several guests this morning. And uh, we certainly appreciate them being in our service today. And I look forward to what God has for us all day long. Uh, we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And this morning I'm going to read a little bit uh, more scripture than I usually do. I'm going to read... Um, from the beginning of the chapter, verse 1, down through verse number 19. And so I want you to follow along with me as we uh, read the scripture this morning. And I, I'm certain that uh, the message that I'm going to bring uh, will be a help to you uh, this morning. Uh, I do want you to pay close attention to me. I want you to listen to what God has for us. Uh, there are many of you who are immediately going to identify with exactly uh, the truths that are presented it's because you're going through uh, a situation right now uh, that uh, you didn't plan on being in, uh, but uh, you're going to identify with it. I would say the vast majority, if not everyone. But if you do find yourself in the minority this morning, I want you to listen carefully, jot a few things down, because uh, if you just live long enough from this point, on, you are going to need what I am going to preach this morning. And so uh, pay, uh, follow along with me as we begin reading verse number 1, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. The people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and his six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins, and when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the, the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. When he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. 
And David smote them from the twilight, even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Very interesting story, and it is easy because uh, as we read from uh, adventure to adventure, if you will, in the life of David, from battle to battle, uh, we read this as an event that took place. I believe there's some greater truths to be found if we just uh, do a little closer study this morning. We have David and those that were with David, following David, his men and their families. Uh, they were off at a battle. They leave the battle uh, because they were sent away. And when they come back, the Amalekites had come and taken everything, taken all their wives, their children, all of their belongings of value. And we find the story that uh, David, of course, pursues them. They recover all. I want you to look in verse number 6, and David was greatly distressed. I want you to compare that with verse number 19, and David recovered all. You have a time of being distressed to a time of complete recovery. And this morning, I want to speak on this subject, God's recovery plan. Everybody's got a recovery plan. Every organization, it seems like today, is we can help you recover from this. We can help you recover from that. Uh, you have a, a situation that you're dealing with. Uh, we can help you recover. And, uh, but God's got a recovery plan that if we follow it, uh, it's foolproof. Uh, it, it's not going to fail us. And so I want you to listen carefully this morning. I believe there's some truths in this story that will help us. Father, I pray uh, once again for the service. I pray that... Uh, the attention would be on the Word of God. May the Spirit of God uh, teach us, instruct us, encourage us, strengthen us, convict us where needed. Father, I pray if there's one unsaved, uh, either in the service this morning, listening by way of live stream, uh, in the children's services this morning, I pray that uh, they would trust Christ today. And Father, may your uh, people be victorious people. May they be over overcomers uh, because of the, the strength in you. And Father, I pray... Uh, that your will will be done, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Verse number 6, which I pointed out to you already, and David was greatly distressed. I'm certainly, you can understand this, if uh, you were off to battle, if you were off for some reason, and you had come back, and a foreign army, an army had come through, and had taken all of your loved ones, taken all of your possessions, not just yours, but those men who you served with. He was greatly distressed. He was greatly distressed because of his own personal loss. He was greatly distressed because how it affected uh, the, the others that were there and their reaction. But he was greatly distressed. Now, I want you to take note of that word distress. Uh, it, it, to define that word distress means suffering, great pain, or torture. Severely affected, harassed, or oppressed with calamity or misfortune. He was distressed, oh, not, oh, I'm having a bad day today. I spilled my coffee on the way out the door. Uh, I'm having a bad day today. I, 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 you know, I had to, uh, things didn't work out. Uh, it, it took me longer to get to work than I normally do. No, this was 
a great distress where everything that he had was taken from him, including his loved ones. Now, you and I have the privilege this morning, because of God's preserved word, to read the end of the story and and know that he's going to get everything back. We have a tendency as viewing the situation from this vantage point of, of not getting an understanding of how distressed David would be. That is a very strong word, suffering great pain or torture. If you've ever buried a loved one, if you've ever uh, faced a situation where uh, you, you, there's just a, tr- a great tragedy or a, a great uh, hardship in your life, you know the interior pain, the pain that goes inside with that sorrow and that, ang- that languishing in the situation. It is not a pleasant situation. He's severely affected, oppressed with calamity or misfortune. The word distress there gives a very powerful definition, but the word of God tells us he was not just distressed, he was greatly distressed. Now, distress is bad enough, but to be greatly distressed takes it to another level. David had lost. You say, well, pastor, he had lost his family. Yes, he had lost his possessions. (coughs) Yes, but he had lost more than that. And this is where I want you to listen as we lay the groundwork for the message this morning. David lost security. Have you ever lost your security? David lost peace. Have you ever lost peace because of a situation that took place? David lost the happiness. David lost that security and that confidence David had strength, and now he was vulnerable. David had wisdom, and yet now it seemed like he didn't know what to do. That, that's something that you and I need to be reminded of this morning. Sometimes things happen in life, and it's the consequence that distresses us more than the actual event that takes place. If you'll allow me, I'll use a personal illustration. You know as a church that... Uh, my wife and I, we lost our second daughter, Amanda, eight and a half months old. There was a distress that came from that situation. Uh, there was a pain. There was a sorrow. There was <clears throat> all the things that you could imagine that would go with that. But after the funeral took place, after some time passed by, there was still distress. Even though she was no longer suffering, even though she had a perfect glorified body, even though she was with the the Savior, even though all of that is true, there was still distress because now there was fear that we had to live with. I don't know if I ever dealt with fear like the fear that not just came during that situation, but the fear after, because you know the worst-case scenario can happen to you. The security, the strength of, as the man of the house, I'm supposed to protect my family from everything. And now there's nothing I can do. You know... A man, this, 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 this morning, there's no man in here. You, you've got bigger issues than we're talking about this morning. If your wife crying does not affect you, 
take my wallet, take everything, just stop. But when you can do nothing, it distresses you. Our secure little world had been changed. The hope in life, the security in life, the peace, there was some distress that came. Many of you can identify with that, not because you have gone through the same thing that I have gone through, but because there have been things that have taken place in your life that has taken your security away, that has taken your peace away, that has taken your confidence away. While you're off doing your duty, the Amalekites have come in and and turned your world upside down. And while you miss those things, and while it affects you because it deals with the people you love, there's a greater sense of distress because now you are confident and you can no longer be confident. Now you have lost control of the situation. And it brings about great distress. We read of David and Goliath and David's boldness and David's confidence. You're familiar with that, aren't you? He leaves the armor because he had not proved it. He grabs the stones and he runs to the giant. We find a very different David here because something had taken place that he had zero control over. Can you identify with this this morning? But when you lose everything, God has a plan of recovery. When you lose something in your life and it takes your security, God has a plan of recovery. When the, the actions of somebody else turns your world upside down, God has a plan of recovery. I don't believe there would be anybody in this room this morning who could say, life has, has, has worked out exactly how I planned it when I was 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age. There are things that take place, and I'm not talking this morning, and yes, We reap what we sow. There's consequences of our decisions. But I'm speaking this morning of things that you and I have zero control over. And it seems like in this instance, we find ourselves greatly distressed. We don't know what we're going to do. Everybody around us doesn't know what they're going to do. And we find ourselves helpless. And not just the pain of losing something that we loved. But we lost control. We've lost security. Now we have fear in place of confidence. I want us to look in this story this morning, and I believe we'll find some truths that we can hold to in God's recovery plan. You and I need to be reminded of something before I give the outline this morning. God is greater than any obstacle you face. God is the giver of peace. God is the giver of security. And while it can be seemingly taken from us to where we don't have the control, God is still in control. 
And I want us all this morning to be reminded before we even get to the outline that no matter what you deal with that shakes your security and brings fear into your life and you don't know how you're ever going to overcome, you don't know how you're ever going to, is this pain ever going to go away? I've lost everything, Pastor. I've lost, I've lost loved ones. I've lost friends. I've, lo- I've lost my future. I've, lo- I've lost the reason to live. I want you to know there is a pathway to recovery and you don't have to go to a psychologist to get it. You don't have to go to the bookstore and buy a whole bunch of books to get it. It is right here in the Word of God because if God, before the the world was ever created, would in His mind set in motion the things that would need to take place for His own Son to come and pay for your sin debt and my sin debt, and if He would make a way of redemption, certainly my God would make a way of recovery. Let's look what we see in this story. Number one, we find on that pathway to recovery, God's recovery plan, we we find number one, encourage yourself in the Lord. Verse number six, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. If you're going to recover, when life brings you something you didn't, you didn't plan for, if you're going to recover, when instantly, it seems like instantly your security is taken away, your strength is taken away, and has been replaced with fear and sorrow and languish. And, and, and as the definition says, it's oppressed with calamity or misfortune. You find yourself in that situation. What are you supposed to do? Encourage yourself in the Lord. This, this, this first truth this morning is why many Christians don't ever recover. Why many Christians don't ever get their security back. Why many Christians don't ever get their peace back. Why many Christians live with fear the rest of their life because they don't start where David start and encourage themselves in the Lord. It sounds so many times we want the answer. We want it right away. We want a solution. But friend, you and I need to be reminded that no matter what happens in this life, God is still on His throne. God is still in complete control. I'm still saved on my way to heaven. Nobody can change that. No situation can change that. And while I may shed some tears, I still have an eternity to look forward to. Nothing can change it. I don't know about you, but I I just tell you this morning, there's nothing in this world more encouraging to me than the Word of God. Nothing more soothing to a soul that is in turmoil than the Word of God. Pastor, I'm having a hard time. Go to the Scripture. What do I read? Well, you can read anything, but go to the Psalms. I promise you, no matter how bad you have it, you don't have it as bad as somebody else has had it. But number one on that recovery plan is to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now let me say underneath that, and this is where it's going to get a little pointed. You can encourage yourself or you can feel sorry for yourself. Too many Christians don't encourage themselves because they're feeling sorry for themselves. Too many Christians would rather have sympathy than a solution. Oh, look what happened to me. 
Everybody feels sorry for me. No, encourage yourself in the Lord. God is still God. This book is still true. And, and you can't change some things that have happened. You can't go back in time and set different things in place. But you have a choice, Christian, and it's a choice that only you can make. You can encourage yourself or feel sorry for yourself. See, when you encourage yourself, your focus is on God. And my God is bigger than my problem. This whole world may hate me and forsake me, but God loves me. And God knows more about me than anybody else knows about me, and He still loves me. See, when you encourage yourself, it's all about Him. I've got to go to God because there's no man that can solve this for me. I've got to go to God because there's no man that can comfort me as God can. See, when you encourage yourself, your focus is on God. It's on His promises. It's on His character. But see, when you feel sorry for yourself, your focus is on you. You know, this morning, I think we need to all be reminded of this. This Bible tells us that it's never supposed to be about us. It's never supposed to be about us. Well, they offended me. Well, it's not about you. Well, doesn't everybody know what I'm going through? Probably not. I mean, they may because you post it on social media all the time, but, but they're numb to it now. You can feel sorry for yourself or you can encourage yourself. As for me, I choose to encourage myself. You feel sorry for yourself. Well, I want everybody to know what I'm going through. Why? So they can be as miserable as you are? I'm not being unsympathetic because I know what it's like. I know this is, I can tell you as your pastor, I know what it's like to have a broken heart. I know what it's like to feel like you're alone in this world. I know what it's like to shed tears. I know what it's like to be greatly distressed. And I can tell you that I'm standing here today as a testimony to God's grace. But I can tell you, I, 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 would cho- I chose to follow God's recovery f- plan. There's no sense in me feeling sorry for myself. It does me no good. I'll encourage myself in the Lord. Hey, it may not work out the way I want it to work out, and things may not have taken place the, the way I want them to take place, but can I tell you, God never changes. God knows more than I know. God still loves me. God is in complete control, and I want to encourage myself in that. Well, people have failed me, Pastor. People let me down. I want to help you this morning, but I need to to be the voice of reality. It won't be the last time man fails you. It won't be the last time somebody lets you down. That's why you've got to go to God and encourage yourself in the Lord. If you, we need to get back as Christians, me and God's a majority. If I've got God, I've got everything I need. If I've got his promises, I can still get through. If you're going to recover, if you're going to get back your security, you're going to get back your peace, you're going to get back your joy if you are going to recover, you've got to first encourage yourself in the Lord. Well, I need somebody to encourage me. That's not what this says. We as God's church don't need to settle in with the culture of the world today and everybody else make me feel better. Pastor, what are you going to do for me in this situation? I'll pray for you. But you, at some point, you've got to encourage yourself. I'll move on to number two, on God's recovery plan. You find it in verse number eight, you must seek God's leadership. 
And David inquired at the Lord. He went to God for his direction. Don't, don't miss this statement. He went for direction, not answers. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? God, what is my next move? I'll help you this morning if you'll let me. Every one of us has had things taken from us. If you live long enough, you're going to bury somebody that you thought would bury you. If you live long enough, somebody's going to break your heart. If you live long enough, you or somebody else you love is going to get that doctor's report that you do, you'll never want to talk about. If you live long enough, life is going to take your is going to be taken and shaken and turned upside down. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to say, okay, that's step number one. I can't feel sorry for myself. This happened. God is still God, though. But then you've got to seek God's leadership and direction. Don't look for answers. Look for direction. God, what should I do next? Too many Christians get stuck right here. God, I want an answer. God, I want an explanation. God, I want some kind of an answer so that I know why this took place. Friend, God does not owe us an explanation for anything. God does not owe us an explanation of why he took a loved one home early. God does not owe us an explanation of why disease came into our life. God does not owe us an explanation of why the actions of somebody else, he allowed that to take place in our life. God does not owe us that. We got to go to God and say, God, I want to get everything back. I, I'm greatly distressed. And it's not pleasant. What do I do? Too many prayers are prayed by the child of God. God, tell me why. I want an answer of why you let my family be taken, of why you let our possessions be taken. That wasn't David. David inquired of the Lord, so what am I, what should I do next? If some of you get victory this morning, you would recover, you'd get over that heartache. You would, you would get your security back. You'd get your peace in your life back. You'd get your joy back. You'd get your confidence in God back. If your prayers were not explained to me, but tell me. Lead me. Guide me. Get into the Word of God and find out what the Bible says you should do. Well, Pastor, what are you supposed to do when you face something like that? You're supposed to do what the Bible tells you to do. You're supposed to do your duty. You're supposed to uh, follow the Word of God. But too, too many times that stress comes upon us, that, dis, that distressed state. So I want, I want this to go away. I want the tears to stop. I want the burden to be taken away. And God, if... If you explained to me, if I knew why, I could move on. That's not true. And if it was true, you don't find that pattern in the Bible. You find the pattern this morning in God's recovery plan. God, what do I do? He inquired of the Lord. Now, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I have a pretty good vocabulary. I don't have the greatest vocabulary. 
But I kind of get the idea that the word inquire does not mean David gave God his opinion. But he asked God for his. See, God is not going to save you, redeem you, and then when life throws you something you didn't anticipate, leave you in that distressed state without a way to get the security back, get the joy back, get the strength back, get the confidence back. He's not going to do that. But you've got to follow His steps. I've got to encourage myself. I've got to not quit. I've got to not die. I've got, God is still God. Even if I've lost everything, even if my situation never changes, I've got you, God. I can talk to you, God. You're not trying. You're not upset at me, God. I can still fellowship with you, and I can encourage myself in that. It may just be me and him, but I've got him. And God, what, what should I do? Too many times we as Christians, we say, God, why did you let this happen? God, why didn't you stop this? You've got to decide this morning, Christian, do you want to recover or not? Do you want to stay distressed? And I think the answer is yes in some cases. Do you want to stay brokenhearted? Do you want to stay? We can say this morning, I can say my heart has been broken, but I'm not brokenhearted. I'm certain that my heart will be broken again in the future, but I, I don't intend to stay brokenhearted. Because I've got a God that wants me to have peace. I've got a God that wants me to have security. I've got a God that wants me to be victorious. But you've got to follow the steps. You've got to go to God for direction, not answers. Let me find number three. The third step in God's recovery plan. See, it doesn't take ten. It just takes four this morning. His third step this morning is to pursue. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. Nobody else can recover for you. Nobody else can fix you. Sometimes in our Desperation, sometimes in our distressed state, distressed state, we even come to our pastor and we say, and you don't say it like this, but basically you say, Pastor, fix me. You must think I'm a miracle worker, but Pastor, fix me. I can't fix you. You've got to decide whether or not you're going to pursue. I can remind you of what God has said. I'd be glad to do that. I'll pray for you to have the strength that you need. And as I preached a couple of weeks ago, I'll, my prayer for you is just to be faithful. Lord, may they be faithful, but you've got to decide whether or not you're going to pursue. You've got to decide that you're not going to feel sorry for yourself. You've got to decide that you're going to you see what God wants you to do. And then you've got to decide to take action and get down that road of recovery. I want my security back. I want that peace back. I want that joy back. I don't want to always feel this way that I feel this morning, but I want to do something to get myself back the way it was before all this was taken away from me. And sometimes you just got to decide you're going to church whether you feel like it or not. Well, my heart is heavy, and, and when I see so-and-so, no, you be in the house of God so you can be strengthened. You've got to get up every day.
day. And you've got to open this book and say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? And I've got to try to, to, to be faithful to you. And I've got to do what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not going to be defeated. And, I, and when I'm feeling sorry for myself, I, I, I'm not going to sit and I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to continue to think about it. I'm going to put my focus on him. You've got to take action. Sometimes that action is cutting people out of your life. That bring everything back to what was taken from you. And it's Sunday morning, but I'll go ahead and throw this in too. Some of you have the Amalekites take everything from you. And then you sit down and talk with the Amalekites about how bad things are. The Amalekites are your enemy. Your flesh is your enemy. But you've got to decide. You've got to pursue. means to follow With a intention to overtake. Think about that. Well, if it happens, it happens. That's not pursuing. One day I'll get over it. One day I'll get peace about it. One day I'll be able to laugh again. I'll quit feeling sorry for yourself. Pursue. To follow with a desire to overtake. To follow with haste. To chase to chase. Hey, when life changes things on you, and we don't know why God allows everything that He allows, but He knows that's really all we have to know. At some point, you've got to decide, I'm getting up. At some point, I've got, you've got to decide, I'm chasing it. I'm pursuing it. I, I'm going I'm I'm to get my security, my peace, my joy. I'm getting everything back. I want to be, I want to feel as I felt before it was taken away from me. But it's not just going to happen for you. You've got to be willing to pursue it. You've got to have a desire to go after it. I moved to number four this morning. It's a very interesting story. There's so much in it. We come to verse number 10 as we see David pursuing them. When we get to verse number 11, they found an Egyptian in the field. It's kind of odd. They go to the Egyptian. They give the Egyptian food. They give the Egyptian water. Hadn't eaten, the Bible tells us, he hadn't eaten or drank for three days. They got his spirit back in him. He got his strength back. They said, who are you? Why are you here? He was an Egyptian young man who was a slave to an Amalekite. And when the Amalekite, when he got sick, the Amalekite left him behind. And he just happened to be in that field as David pursued. And David presses him a little more. Can you take us to where they are? Let me say it like this. He didn't say it like this. Can you take us to the place of recovery? Can you show us where they are? He says, I'll show you where you are, but you've got to promise me something. You don't give me back and you don't kill me. Fair enough. We read the text. We know how the story ends. He shows David 
where those Amalekites are. David and his army slay them, and they get everything back. I want you to note truth number four this morning on God's recovery plan. You've got to use the experience of others. That Egyptian was familiar with the Amalekites. That Egyptian was aware. He knew what it was like to be oppressed by the same people who David has now been oppressed by. And now he was in a position to say, there's the oppressor. And David used the wisdom of somebody else who had been victimized by the same enemy. Don't miss this truth. The Egyptian had experience with the Amalekites. There is somebody in your life that God will bring across your path who has the same experience. They can grant you wisdom so that you can recover. There's two sides of this coin I want to point out. First of all, God gives us the example of others. He gives us Bible characters we can look to. See, if they went through it, and if they dealt with it, and if they survived it, I'm going to draw off of the lessons I can learn from their experience. God will bring others into our life so they can say, oh, I've been down that road. I know that oppressor very well. And use the experience that they've had in order to gain the victory. Gain the recovery. Don't be the kind of person that when somebody says, hey, I've been down that road. I, I, I felt what you, you were feeling. Let me tell you what you need to do. Well, they just don't know me like they ought to know me. It's not about that. It's about they've had a similar experience that God allowed them to cross your path and help you. This Egyptian was not there because he just it was just a coincidence that he was there. This is the way I believe it happened. He's the slave of this Amalekite. God said, you're going to get sick. And guess what happened? He got sick. And the Amalekites left him behind. And David's praying, God, what do I do? Should I pursue? He said, pursue and go this way. He didn't tell David, but that I, there's an Egyptian there. And David fed him and gave him water and said, who are you? I've been oppressed by the Amalekites. Well, can you tell me how I can get victory? God allows nuggets in the life of somebody to help you. And I believe there's a lot of Christians that could get help and could get victory if they just let somebody help them. If they just hear what they had to say. Now the other side of that coin is this. If you've been distressed, don't be selfish with what you've experienced. Let me give some of you some motivation this morning if I can. You need to 
Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Encourage yourself. Get on that pathway, that pursuit to getting your joy back, getting your security back, getting your peace back. Because there's going to be a time when there's going to be somebody else who's gone through something similar. And you're going to have the ability to help them in their life. We find the end of our story this morning in verse 19. David recovered all. I know what some of you are thinking this morning. Probably. Well, Pastor, that's all nice and all, but David got his loved one back. I can't go to that grave and get mine back. Well, the time's going to come when there's going to be a reunion. But don't miss this truth this morning. There's an effect, there's the loss, then the distress is a result. I don't like to use myself as an example this morning, but if you'll permit me, I know what it's like to watch a child suffer for eight months and then breathe their last breath. I know what it's like to be reminded in an instant that there should be six at a table instead of five. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to be hurt. But this morning, you're looking at a man that's not feeling sorry for himself. I can, I, if, I, if you'll permit me this morning, recovery is possible. And I can tell you, there, there have been fears that have come as a result of this, but I can tell you this morning, I am a confident man because I have a God who never changes. I have a God who has never left me. I have a God who's the healer of all broken hearts. I have a God who is one that can give peace and joy that is above what you can imagine. And we, it's not about our life being the way we think it ought to be or being according to plan or being, being perfect in the eyes of other people. No, it's when life comes and there's things taken from you and it takes your security, it takes your peace, it takes your happiness, it takes the security that you have in everything being everything was just great pastor and look what took place but friend you can sit and you can pout and feel sorry for yourself or you can get up and encourage yourself in the Lord and say I know my God has never changed I know my God has not forsaken me I know God loves me and if I get nothing else in this world I've got an eternity of peace to look forward to and then you need to go to God and quit asking God to explain to you why this has taken place God why God, God give me an answer go to him for direction not for an explanation. God knows. And if we had the explanation, is it really going to heal our broken heart? No. You get down the pathway. You pursue and say, I'm not staying where I'm at. I'm not going to feel this way any longer. I'm going to pursue my recovery where I can have my joy, my peace, my security. And along the way, you know what you'll find? God will put the right person in your pathway at the right time to give you an encouragement, to give you some, some, some advice of this is what I experienced when I went through it. This is what I know to be true. And you'll use their strength to get a little further down the road. And the day will come when you'll say, I wish that had never happened. I wish I never had shed those tears. I wish I had never experienced that. But I've got the same joy I had 
before that happened. I've got the same security I had before that happened. I've got the same confidence in God. It was shaken, but I've got the same confidence in God before it ever happened. You can smile again. You can laugh again. You can look at that glass half full again. You can rejoice in the goodness of God. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. I may not. But I know what David went through. I know what I've gone through. I can look back and say, I wish that had never happened. But I can tell you, to God be the glory, I'm as happy, if not happier today, than I was before. I've got more peace in my life today than before I stood by a graveside. I've got more confidence in my God today, having pursued, and Him say, here you go. You can have it back. There's too many Christians not living victorious lives. Too many Christians not having victory over the broken heart, over the burden, over the disappointment. The question is not whether it's available. God has a recovery plan. The question is whether you and I will follow the steps that David was willing to follow to recover. Father, I pray this morning that you'll use